Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hello and welcome back to the show. Thanks for listening. On today's program, we're going to be interviewing Anson Kwok. Anson is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Pinnacle International. Pinnacle International is a very active developer uh, here in Toronto, downtown. They've got a lot of projects as well as in Mississauga. What they're probably you know, best known for lately, or what you might have seen them in the news lately, is they're working on a massive project at 1 Young Street. So they purchased the land at 1 Young Street, which is a very large parcel of land, and they're planning on building approximately seven towers, residential and commercial towers there. And that project is going to be also connected to the PATH network. And the buildings there are going up to uh, about 88 stories, I believe. So very, very exciting project. And that one uh, is going to be coming out soon. You'll find out exactly when uh, by listening to this interview. And that project is certainly going to be a game changer type of a project that a lot of people are watching very closely to see uh, how that one comes about. So let's get to the interview with Anson Kwok and for all the show notes on this episode, just head on over to truecondos.com slash Anson, A-N-S-O-N, and you can get links to Pinnacle and everything else that we are talking about on today's show. So here it is, Anson Kwok. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Okay, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Anson Kwok. Anson is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Pinnacle International. Anson, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Um, Anson, why don't we start by just telling everybody a little bit about yourself, um, who you are, your background, and how you sort of got started in in, uh, the condo industry. Um, I guess I've been with Pinnacle International for over six years now. I originally actually was in the hotel industry, so I was in the hotel industry for almost 10 years, uh, mainly with uh, Fairmont Hotels at the Royal York here. Uh, and then during that time, took my MBA at the University of Toronto, uh, Rotman School of Business, and then uh, made the change over to real estate. But uh, lucky thing for me is that there's a lot of commonalities between a hotel and and uh, condominium buildings, making sure that uh, things are clean, the units are, uh, the layouts are well done, and uh, be able to move people in. And the only difference is really it's instead of room nights in hotels, we're, we're kind of uh, selling for keeps versus... Uh, uh, what we've done in the past, so it, for me, it's a uh, it's a pretty smooth transition, actually. So, are you uh, are you from Toronto originally? Then I'm originally from Vancouver. Oh, actually, you're from so, Vancouver, okay. uh, but I've actually been in Ontario for about 15 years now. Did my and, undergrad here too. So okay, and Pinnacle is based out of uh, Vancouver. Uh, so Vancouver. we've been, yeah. um, I guess, our principal's been uh, building for over 40 years now, and uh, for us, we've been uh, pretty active uh, in Vancouver, Edmonton, San Diego, and Toronto. So, San Diego, interesting. Yeah. So, why? What's the San Diego? Uh, it was connection? a pretty, It was a pretty common. Um, there's actually a lot of buildings in uh, San Diego that are built by uh, developers from BC. Oh, really? So, okay. um, right now we're actually just finishing uh, 350 rental units, uh, purpose-built rental units in uh, downtown San Diego. And um, here in Toronto, like, why don't you just tell everybody what you know, what Pinnacle has done here in Toronto, what they're known for. Um, Obviously, Pinnacle's got a lot of units completed here in Toronto, but maybe some people aren't familiar with with the builder, and so Absolutely. fill us in. 
Uh, I mean, our first uh, project here was actually Bellagio on Bloor. Um, that's on Bloor and West uh, um, and Mount Pleasant. Uh, so that was our first building here, and then we built 2,000 units here at Pinnacle Center um, at Bay Young and, and Harbor. And uh, for most people that don't know, uh, you know, I guess prior to these 2,000 units, uh, really no one went south of the Gardner. It was kind of that, uh, you know, buildings hadn't been built in probably about 20 years down here, and uh, we were kind of the first person uh, or the first company to come back down and, and build here. And now, you know, you see the South Core is really kind of growing out, and uh, which is pretty exciting. And uh, we've moved over to Mississauga. We've uh, moved in 300 uh, units at uh, Grand Pinnacle Grand Park. We're moving in another 400 units at Pinnacle Uptown this spring. Uh, we've also moved in 600 units here downtown in uh, Toronto at uh, the Pinnacle and Adelaide in the Entertainment District. That's right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of, I kind of find Pinnacle is one of those under the radar companies a little bit, um, not tooting your own horn too much, but quietly, obviously the company's done a lot of, uh, great buildings right in, right in the core here. And like you said, trendsetters, I guess, south of the Gardner. Now you've got, um, you know, how many buildings since you guys have started here have come south of the Gardner. Uh, it's really interesting to see. Yeah. It's, it's been really fantastic to be able to connect like, really the downtown core to the waterfront, which uh, for the longest time there was a really big gap. And now it's really kind of started being filled up. So it's kind of like tightening the laces and uh, making it, you know, one place. Yeah. Um, question you probably get asked a lot. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask you the exact question that is, is there a condo bubble? Um, but I wanted to sort of spin on that question and, and say, again, keeping in mind that most people listening to this are condo investors or are thinking about getting into the condo market as an investor. Is there still money to be made in the Toronto condo market for the individual condo investor? What do you think? I think, I think there still is. I think there's just a, I think the product needs to be a lot more diverse. Um, I think the simple formula, you know, of, uh, the days of buying a, a one bedroom in den and just flipping it isn't really there anymore. But I do think now you're looking for an investment vehicle that actually has um, enough square footage to get the next generation of renters. So I think there's a, a size uh, component that we need to reach. And I think now it's you're seeing more people buy smaller two bedrooms to kind of meet that meet that market. And I kind of always I personally call it the second and third generation condo uh, dweller, I guess, because they need to be able to you know, have enough space. And it's probably that evolution of being moving to Toronto when you're in a one bedroom or single, and then you get into a relationship and you start a family and it's kind of the evolution. But I think people really appreciate neighborhoods and uh, their first condo, and then they just eventually get sized out and have to move to something bigger. So I think that's where investment is kind of moving towards uh, instead of, I guess, the opposite direction of going smaller. Yeah, it's something we talked about before we started recording. I thought it was interesting. Maybe you could comment on it. Just um, this sort of, and we talked about it in other episodes as well, just this whole um, uh, duality, you could say, in the business, in the industry, where you've got a, a big trend towards smaller and smaller units. And that's primarily, I think, driven, well, it's driven by a few things probably, but affordability is a big one, Absolutely. just to keep those prices down. Developers have made the units smaller and smaller. And so you're getting more and more buildings that are, um, you know, made up primarily of smaller units. And the average size of, of the con of the unit in a, in a big building is getting smaller and smaller, you know, five, 550 square feet. 
Um, and then on the other hand, like you say, you've got uh, this sort of growing under underneath it all is this sort of growing demand for more space and for move up opportunities for buyers who've already done the small condo or the, maybe they're renting and they want to get their first place. Uh, people who can't afford to get into the housing market, the low rise market. So, I mean, how do you see that sort of duality and, and how do we solve that problem as an industry or, you know, where do you see the condo industry going? It's kind of a bunch of questions all wrapped together. Well, I think that's <laughs> something that uh, I, I think for the most part, we actually have done quite well. You know, coming from Vancouver, we've actually, livability has really been a big part of um, unit sizes. So we actually build a lot of two bedrooms and three bedrooms. And there's a lot of times where um, we know that we're going to have to move in the building before we sell some of the two bedrooms. But we're very committed to building larger units so that we have a, a better mix in the building. So, for example, the Pinnacle and Adley, we built two runs. Um, so probably about 80 units with 1,000 square feet, two bedrooms, which is you know, quite uncommon, especially in the uh, entertainment district. Uh, the tendency is to go a little bit smaller and um, with the affordability uh, component. But we're also getting a lot more people that are at that stage where they're looking at uh, couples looking for a place to stay, uh, to move into that you know, can't really handle the four-year pre-sale factor. So, you know, it's, it's kind of that blend and, you know, it's mm -hmm. a challenging thing in the marketplace right now because of the financing models for developers, Yes, which requires a, a certain amount of pre-sales. So it kind of typically, I guess the less expensive unit sells faster. And I think that's yeah. uh, one thing that's driven, but I think we've been pretty committed to keep a, a pretty high proportion of our units into that two bedroom, three bedroom range. And it's really actually, I think for the most part paid off for us because it's uh there is a, a niche market out there that's looking for that. You know, uh, we may not be 100% sold out after three months, but we also know when the people move in and they see the units, that quality's there. Right, so. right. And so, yeah, it's kind of you kind of highlight two different philosophies and two ways that a builder can sort of approach building high-rise in downtown Toronto today of, do I want to just sell it really quickly and, and, and get out of it, so to speak, as quick as I can? So I'm going to build the units as small and as cheap as I can, or I take a, a different approach where I'm thinking about the end in mind and thinking about what kind of a building is it going to be like when it's all said and done. And therefore, like you say, let's put in some larger units that are going to be probably really hard to sell in the, in the pre-construction stage because these are going to end users are going to move in. And they're going to want to see the building up before they put their deposits down. Um, but in the end, that's is that creating a... Um, a better building for people to live in, uh, you know, less units coming up for rent and just a different feel to a building. So certainly I think something is great, great to think about that. And it's good, good advice for any condo investor to consider that certainly when you're looking at which building to purchase in, like if A versus B, looking at the sweet mix, the unit, the average unit size. I think that that's actually one thing that we do go back to, you know, we go back, look at our buildings that we built five years ago or even, I guess, as much as almost 10 years now, to actually see kind of how the buildings maintain. Because obviously, typically, if uh, a lot more end users are living in the building, that usually means there's a lot more care in the building. Uh, everyone's kind of involved in the process to make sure that community really thrives. Uh, sometimes when there's a lot of turnover, it's very, um, really challenging to really maintain a, a great building because, you know, Every year you have so many move-ins and move-outs and, uh, you know, people might not care about the place as much as you want them to care if uh, 
if they were end users living in the building. So it's yeah. definitely a, a great, uh, I guess, in protecting your investment is, uh, is a critical part of the uh, investment process. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, are you a condo investor yourself? Do you, you buy units yourself? I, I, I do have con, uh, condo as investor, but actually uh, I live in a condo. So yep. I'm actually, uh, I guess, I'm in my third condo now. So okay. I'm uh, definitely someone that believes in it. I'm an elevator commuter. Okay. Uh, so I <laughs> tend not to uh, go outside very much uh, to, yeah. to go to work. And yeah. um, at work, I obviously go outside. But, uh, you know, it's definitely, you know, I've experienced that progression myself from a one bedroom and living in a three bedroom now. It's uh, part of that progression of uh, someone living in a condo. You just want more so space. So what, uh, what would be your advice if you, or what are you, if you're looking for a condo to invest in yourself or you're looking at, uh, you know, the, the, the newest building that you're working on, you're thinking, I'm going to buy one in this building, which one should I buy? Like, what do you, what factor are you looking at? What criteria are you judging to pick the units that you invest in? I guess for me, it's making sure that's a unit that can kind of stand, uh, I guess a little bit more timeless in the sense that it's a unit that if I do decide to sell it in the future, when it's built, it, it has a great layout that can, can sell, but also it's attractive to rent. I mean, I think that's one thing that, uh, people need to spend a lot of time in. And, uh, I like to, I guess my investment's actually a two bedroom because I, I wanted the, uh, more professional tenant in there that was there for hopefully for more than a, a year, a couple of years, uh, while they're either going through a professional school program or, uh, you know, working in the city. I think that's, right. uh, for me, a pretty important part of that, uh, investment vehicle is to, uh, keep it a little bit more consistent. So, uh, I guess in some ways, I guess a little bit more low maintenance in, in terms of every year having to go back through the let's find a tenant and uh, yeah. let's show the space. So Great. Um, let's shift gears and talk about uh, One Young Street, obviously the big, 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 big project that um, you guys are working on right now. Um, but maybe before we talk about the project in particular, what can you what are you seeing happening in the, you know, in the waterfront? as as a whole like uh, you, you know pinnacle you guys have been active down here as you said for for many years now and now it's interesting you're probably seeing all the other players all your competitors are sort of all jumping on board now and and you're coming up right next to you uh, on the east and the west how are you seeing the waterfront area particularly east of young street develop over the next five ten years well it's actually really exciting to see uh i guess all our friends in the neighborhood because uh there is actually, you know, it's really grown quite a bit, even the last, I guess it have been 10 years, but uh, in the last five years, it's been a very popular location. And I think that's uh, part to do with Waterfront Toronto doing a lot of work to revitalize our waterfront here. But uh, the great thing is it's going to have all the amenities that people are looking for. It is a, you know, pretty modern neighborhood that will uh, continue to grow in the next 10, 15 years. Um, and it's just, I think people are looking for that modern convenience. They want things that are mm -hmm. close to them, uh, within walking distance. And, and you're starting to see more people kind of live without the car. So we need to be in that environment close to the financial core, uh, where people can really kind of walk there, which, uh, it, you know, probably 15 years ago would be unheard of that anyone would want to walk, uh, truly to work. But now, uh, I think that's what people don't want to spend time doing that. You know, mm -hmm. I, uh, for example, myself, I went up to Guelph yesterday for a, an event uh, at the University of Guelph, and uh, that commute is probably equivalent to my one-month 
commute was that uh, <laughs> one day? Yeah, yeah, going to and from. So, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty impressed with how people uh, do that every day because a lot of people commute yeah. from Guelph to, to Toronto. So, yes, um, you know, and well, you know, once you get to a short commute, it's hard to go back to a long commute. That's the, uh, that's the other, ev- mm. you know, evolution of changes. Yeah, people went. Uh, larger condos over time people want shorter commutes over time as mm-hmm. well it's uh, hard to go from a 10 minute commute to a an hour commute it's uh not too many people are signing up for that no it's uh <laughs> yeah it's uh it's definitely the change of you know some would say it's millennials but i think it's just a change of the cultural change that mm. it, there are great housing options that are close to work which yeah. is, a, is a good thing yeah i mean i i think i totally agree i think it's more of a cultural social change that we're seeing and i think it's people you know the greatest commodity that we have is time and i think people are realizing that they want to save time they want to be closer to work they want to be closer to schools and and restaurants and uh, entertainment and their friends and you know they're realizing that you know, life is in a sense, life is short and, uh, you only have so much time. And if you're spending 10 hours a week in your car going to and from work, just wasting away. <laughs> well, I mean, the perspective is that really that's, that's the only fixed thing in, in our, in everyone's week, right? Is that there's only 168 hours in a week. Yeah. Everyone, no matter how you we're cut all it. Given the same, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone only, there's only seven days in a week. And, uh, I think that's the biggest change is that, you know, um, there's a lot of other things that people can be doing with their time. And I think people, you know, the social norms have kind of made it perfectly acceptable to be living in a, in a condominium, regardless of size. And, uh, but you know, the advantage is, Hey, I got to work in, I got to sleep in a little longer and I got home and you're still on the road. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a, a tough uh, combination that I think people are starting to decide that, Hey, you know what, maybe it is easier. Yeah. And, um, which is a, which is a great thing. I think that makes all the new uh, employment options downtown that are companies moving downtown really, it pairs up quite well. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something earlier, you said how there was, uh, sort of the, you alluded to the development condo boom that sort of happened on the waterfront, probably in like the eighties, early nineties kind of thing. Um, and then there was a big gap until recently where not much has been done now we're going through another boom over the next decade along the waterfront here how do you like what are the differences between sort of the the 80s waterfront and the waterfront that we're going to see moving forward well i think there's a lot more uh detail and design i think uh i think some would say that the buildings that were built in the 80s and 90s are a little bit heavier and uh maybe a little bit too much precast and uh you know kind of blocking the waterfront but i think uh, there's been a lot of discussion about making sure that you know, uh, view corridors and so forth are kept. And uh, I think there's a, you know, the great thing is I think there's a lot more discussion about mix of heights and so forth to really kind of change the skyline or the postcard of, of Toronto. I think the original, uh, um, you know, was almost purposely built just for residential. And uh, I think that's where it's going to change. It's really going to change to a more mixed use type yeah. of environment where yeah. people can actually go to a grocery store, they can go to restaurants and it's actually accessible without uh, having, you know, bus service mm-hmm. or other uh, modes of uh, transportation to get them to and from uh, to get to those things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think here you're going to see a lot more office close to it. Yeah, uh, There's a lot more office coming down to the, the waterfront, obviously the high-speed internet bandwidth, all that stuff is really kind of, uh, um, you know, it partners really well versus yeah. just a strict uh, one-use uh, um community 
Yeah, the, the you're talking about the uh, the high speed fiber optic lines that I guess the city has yeah. is uh, been working on for a number of years for for this waterfront area. Um, yeah, and, and I think it's really exciting to see all the office buildings that are coming in because that's that's just going to create such a like you say that whole live work walk to work um, kind of community. Whereas before the waterfront was it was kind of like the whole thing with the waterfront was yeah it's a great place to be in the summer. Yes. But uh, the rest of the year, it's kind of just dead and everyone just stays inside and there's not much life going on. But now you've got um, so many office buildings coming in south of the Gardener. And I think that's the most exciting part for me. Yeah, but I mean, before it was really just a summer destination. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a summer yeah. destination and the rest of the year, everyone that lived in this neighborhood just did their own thing. And yeah. now <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's no longer just a tourist uh, location, it's actually going to be a, a vibrant neighborhood, and actually, we've already seen that with, you know, with Pinnacle Center with two thousand units. You've actually seen so much more activity in life that, mm-hmm. not just for, um, you know, uh, activities at Air Canada Center, just on yeah. a day to day basis. There's, you know, you see people walking, interacting. It's a, uh, it's a much better scene than before when I think it was. Uh, I think this entire stretch was just empty parking lots. Yeah, and you just. People would just cut across all these dark parking lots yeah. to get to the other side, which uh, obviously is not as uh, visually appealing. So. Yeah, uh, I know things are still in the early stages, but what can you tell us about One Young? Like, what can we expect? Uh, what are you guys working on? I know it's it's probably maybe you could give us some insight into you know the the process in terms of how how long it takes to to get a massive project like this uh, to market. Um, I mean, we've been actively working our proposals in with the city and we've been actively working with them to continue to, uh, you know, enhance the project. And I think that just takes some time for the growth and of it and things continue to uh, constantly change and uh, which which is a phenomenal thing because I think the waterfront is not a stagnant place. There's definitely a lot of things happening in the East Bay front that's constantly um, become different variables for us. But uh, one thing is for sure is that, you know, we'll definitely have residential towers um, partnered with um, a couple of office buildings which I think is a, a great thing for the live live work and mm-hmm. uh, you know for us we're we're looking at uh, retail and the uh, multiple grade uh, sorry multiple floors of retail mm-hmm. uh, linked together and and also bring the path down so for us uh, bring the path is you know looking at it so that we can really kind of open up that entire kind of gateway to uh, the East Bayfront and hopefully uh, make it a lot easier for even existing um, places like uh, George Brown and, and Chorus, where people can actually walk underground if they need to 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 get all the way over there. So, mm-hmm. uh, how uh, where like in terms of the path connection, like what where would it be coming from uh, exactly, or what? Uh, well, it'll be actually cr- it'll be that? above grade, so it'll okay. be uh, it'll be plus fifteen uh, coming uh, across. There's, right now, there's a couple other routes that we can take, but right now it's going to go pretty close to Young Street across, so um, underneath the uh, the Gardener. So, okay. um, and there's a couple of places that we can connect to, whether it's uh, 45 Bay Street, which is the uh, the new development coming through, or um, the connection uh, close to, I guess, would be backstage and L Tower. So there's a couple right. of options. I think it just depends on. Timing okay, and but sequence. it's above ground tunnel, sort of something similar it's visually similar to, to what we see at Harbor uh, Plaza. Yeah, what's Harbor Plaza has has got uh, yeah. recently opened up there. 
Wow. Yeah, so, so, so uh, ten years from now, we might there might be this interesting above ground labyrinth of these glass tunnels all around this whole area. Yeah, I think making <laughs> a you know I, I think it's important for us to try to make you know both street retail and other locations active. I think it's uh, like you said before. You know, it can't just be a summer destination. It needs mm -hmm. to be a place where yeah. uh, businesses thrive all year round. And I think that's what we're, I guess we're trying to do our best to accomplish that. So, Is it potential then, I'm just thinking out loud, but is it potential that um, the the existing Pinnacle buildings that we're si sitting in right now could be connected in that same network? I mean, we've had obviously discussion. Obviously, it's a lot more complicated with ownership and, uh, you know, with uh, individual condominium owners and so forth and yeah. how it connects through. But that's never... Uh, um, you know the decision uh, discussions obviously still are uh, are out there you know we've mm -hmm. met with all the condo boards and right. they've been very cooperative and uh, trying to figure out what the best opportunity is but it, a lot of it to do with timing mm -hmm. it might have to be us creating finishing one young and then maybe connecting back to it afterwards versus uh, right, right. the original plans right um, how do you see families uh, fitting into the residential component is this is this going to be a, there's going to be a focus on getting families into the you know family size units because i've heard other interviews where you're talking about you know really that that whole uh live work play drop your kid off at daycare the whole experience all in one building or one complex essentially yeah i mean i think we've already been uh we've already committed to to building a daycare there where exactly i guess we have a daycare here at pinnacle center i think it's a pretty uh, important accessory I guess to uh, to living downtown and uh, but I think with the our proposal for res the amount of residential we've proposed I think we're going to be having a quite wide variety of unit sizes so I, I do think that there's going to be a quite a component that's looking at family friendly units and mm -hmm. that's something that I think we've always been committed to and I think we're going to continue to do that because I think two and three three bedroom units you know it's it's important for us to build them, but I think it's also important that there, there's enough size for it. So mm -hmm. just saying it's three bedrooms. Like um, 700 square yeah, feet. It's not, it's, not, <laughs> it's not as functional as making sure that there's three bedrooms that people can comfortably live in. Yeah. So I think it's livability is, is kind of first and foremost, and then obviously yeah. bedrooms are important so that everyone has their own space. Yeah. What do you, th is there a, what do you think is sort of that sweet spot? Because I had this conversation too or for a three-bedroom unit. Like what do you think is that that uh size that makes it a comfortable space like because as you said there's a lot of these buildings that you've got these 800 square foot three bedroom units where the third bedroom is really just a a throw in just to yeah i guess satisfy the city's requirements or something yeah i think i think a lot of them i think you're, you're probably gonna need to be in that kind of 1200 square foot plus mm -hmm. I, you i think you can comfortably do it in a thousand square feet uh, I think I've seen a thousand square foot feet are that are quite functional, but I don't yep. know if you can do entire floor plate of those because it's uh, just from the ins and outs and uh, entrances. But I do think what twelve hundred square feet I think you can be quite um, quite comfortable in, and obviously um, as you go larger, because uh, it really just depends how many rooms you need and uh, yeah, um, and kind of what your comfort zone is, because definitely you need a pretty big component of uh, living and dining space when it comes to a three-bedroom unit that mm -hmm. uh, we have to take into consideration because most people are using you know the way lifestyles changing is mm -hmm. that in their bedrooms it's really just their bedrooms mm -hmm. most of those 
the activity is actually in in the main yeah. great room, I guess, as we call it. So yeah. find making sure there's enough space there because uh, mm-hmm. it can get a little uh, tricky when it's, uh, like you said, 700 square foot for a three bedroom. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult to even fit all your clothes in. So it's uh, something that we got to c- yeah. continue to uh, be conscious of because it's a marketplace that continues to grow and the city has to continue to evolve as, uh, you know, you know, I think it's very simple to kind of look at, you know, New York, for example, the larger units are actually at a premium compared to the smaller units. And I think it's just, we got to continue to, mm-hmm. obviously we're not New York, but we had to continue to evolve because that's uh, what people are going to look for when they're moving downtown. And like I said before, second and third generation condo dwellers are going to go, hey, you know what, my last place, this is what was missing. So in my next place, I want to make sure I have a walk-in closet, or I want to make sure we have three bathrooms. That's going to continually grow. Right, right, right. Interesting. Um, take us through, if you will. Uh, when did you guys purchase the the One Young site? It was, it was July two thousand twelve. That's when July two thousand twelve. Okay, yeah, so, so that's when we two uh, and a half years ago. Um, still working with the city to get it. Like, how long from? Just curious. Like, for for a massive project like this. Uh, from the time you purchase it till the time the last unit might be delivered, what kind of a timeline are you are you looking at? Is it about ten years or more or less? Well, I guess I guess Pinnacle Center is probably a good example because it's two thousand units. It, it, for us, it was probably about I think it's probably close to I guess from when we purchased the land, it was probably about ten ten years is actually a, and the only difference now is that the buildings are taller, so it's probably going to take a little bit longer than ten years. So because um, right. here. Uh, our first building is 40 stories. The second one's 29 stories. And then you're in the 50s here. But uh, in the next uh, evolution of the city, everything's going to probably be in the 60s, 70s, 80s, which is obviously yeah. uh, going to yeah. take longer to build. Yeah, remind everyone again what the proposals that you have put forward for One Young, the heights are? The, uh, the tallest tower that we've built, uh, have proposed is 88 stories. So, 88 stories, wow. so which would I, which would be the tallest? It'd be the second tallest. Second uh, tallest. Right now, I guess there is a uh, approved building for 92 stories. Right, okay, the yeah, right. The, um, but in 78 is the, under construction, 78 is the tallest residential in Canada. So, right. um, so yeah, it's a, it's a different scale and uh, it's gonna take longer to build. I think we're uh, definitely aware with it. Uh, definitely with uh, negative thirty weather, uh, it's going to be a yeah. little bit uh, take a little bit longer. But yeah, uh, yeah so it's you know we're top, we're probably looking at a a good fifteen twenty year uh, cycle probably from because of the size of the uh, property from start to finish. Wow, when uh, I know it's early, but when are you sort of targeting to come to market? Is that or is it even too early to even know at this? Yeah, point, I think it's or? probably a little bit early. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, it probably be something. Hopefully, sometime in 2016, but uh, definitely will not. Don't expect it to be a 2015. Uh, don't expect it exercise. This year. Okay. But uh, right now, we're still in the master plan community yep. um, component to it, so we still have a lot of work to do with suite layouts and really the details of the individual buildings. So. Right. Um, and then you've got another exciting project coming downtown. That's PJ Condos, uh, Pearl and John Street in the Entertainment District. Uh, what can you tell us about about that building? I mean, it's a, I mean, it's right across from the Pinnacle in Adelaide, so the location is something that we're quite familiar with. Uh, it's a forty-eight story building, um, great uh, plaza at grade level, 
that really connects to our plaza that we have in our building across the street. So uh, part of the John Street Cultural Corridor, we're going to be kind of the um, part of the, I guess, two gathering places uh, for John Street Cultural Corridor when they close down the street for events. Mm. Um, we have retail at grade, uh, outdoor swimming pool. It's going to be a, quite a, a unique building, um, brick at the uh, at the base, and I, I think it's really going to just fit the style of uh, the entertainment district. Yeah, certainly the the brick at the base. If uh, you've seen the renderings, are very unique look compared to anything else that's out there. Yeah, so we're we're uh, extremely excited. It's uh, we have a a three D model there uh, <laughs> on the table there, so nice. it's uh, something that we're working through, and uh, I, I think it's just going to continue to grow that great neighborhood. So. That's great. Um, is there any question, I know you get asked lots of questions about the market and what you think is, is there any question that nobody has ever asked you about the market or about condo development, um, but that you wish somebody would? And what would that question be? <laughs> oh, that's a interesting question. I think, uh, I think the main thing is actually, you know, I think it's very easy to always ask, um, about if there's a bubble and, and so so forth. I think really it's, uh, you know, I have a pretty positive outlook about uh, Toronto's um, real estate industry. And I think the most common uh, thing that I usually talk about is obviously the, we have kind of a perfect kind of, I call it the perfect storm in terms of traffic and transit are, are both challenges that are, are a little bit out of our reach in the next, in the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't think people really realize because I think uh, when people come to Toronto from outside of Toronto, I don't know if that's a dynamic that people really appreciate because I think Toronto is a really unique city in terms that people have a high tolerance for driving. Uh, whereas coming from Vancouver, I think if you ask anyone in Vancouver to drive an hour, they'll probably be uh, a little bit uh, confused. They look at you funny. Yeah, that's like a trip. That's like a trip right, uh, we're going right. on uh, for a weekend. So. And yeah. people do it every day here, so I think that's here. It's yeah. I'm just going to the mall to pick something up. Yeah. Take yeah. me take me an hour to get to Yorkdale or wherever. You know, and, <laughs> and for me, like growing up in Vancouver, you know, going to Whistler is two hours, and and that's like a big deal. That's like a multiple week discussion. And right. here, it's like <laughs> people do it every day, and I, I think that's yeah. actually what's driving uh, the real estate industry here. That I don't. It, it's a very unique thing to Toronto because I think you look at some of the bigger cities in the world. Uh, whether you're talking about New York, London, Shanghai, transportation is a pretty, they have their systems quite well done Mm -hmm. to be able to, um, you know, shift people around and even in a dense environment. Whereas for us, we're trying to get there. And -hmm. I think that's where people don't, uh, I think, realize that we're kind of, in Toronto is kind of the infancy stage of getting to that uh, population where everyone's, living downtown, working downtown, and it's going to take time. And I think that's, the condo boom isn't really about, um, you know, it's a magical formula. It's because we've shifted. The Mm. mentality of Torontonians have shifted that, hey, you know what? We don't want to be, we don't want to drive two hours anymore. Right. Because, you know what? It used to only be an hour and a half, but somehow now it's become two hours. (laughs) Five years ago, it was an hour and a half. Now it's two hours. Five years from now, it'll be... Two and a half hours. You know, and so I think that, that tolerance has changed, and I think that's that's where people are kind of shifting through. So I, I, I think that's the probably the most interesting thing that unless you live in Toronto, 
and experience it. I don't know if you really kind of appreciate that because mm-hmm. uh, it is a really unique quality to it. And unless you're, you know, I think the other day I was driving back from Mississauga and the sign said 73 minutes from this point on the Gardner to get to Young Street. Wow. And 35 minutes Lakeshore. And it's like, where else would you see a number like that? It's uh, it's kind yeah. of baffling. And yeah, tens of thousands of people are doing that every day. And, and, and they're yeah. comfortable with it. I just don't know if, uh, you know, and I think uh, speaking to a lot of students and a lot of, uh, you know, new, new graduates, it's unfortunately the expectation of work is a little bit different now. And it's working hard is somehow correlated with hours worked. So if you work more hours yeah. and you commute, more hours it's cutting into that 168 hours we were talking about and mm-hmm. you know and it becomes a quality of life issue and uh, yeah. work-life balance so it's you know one of those things i know uh, those are really kind of key points to why the city's changing so much and i think it's not about a condo boom i think there's actually a, in some ways it's actually a condo need here mm-hmm. so it, it, it is a it's it's a it's not going to sell any papers but it's one of those things where i think it is a you know, a reality of how our society is working. And, and that's why we continue to build bigger units because the next generations of people living in condos are going to continue. Mm-hmm. And what we've yeah. built now are, we, you know, there's a lot of great buildings in the city, and but they're going to be here for a long time. So we got to make sure the product is something that's timeless and people can really live, live in there for the variety of cycles that we're going to experience here in the city. That's great. Traffic and transportation. I like it. <laughs> um, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, Anson, or learn more about Pinnacle and, and One Young and all the projects you've got coming up, what's the best way to do that? Uh, we have multiple ways. Uh, obviously, we have our website at pinnacleinternational.ca, but we actually have an iPad app as well that shows our, our projects with floor plans and views and locations. And uh, I guess I'm personally on Twitter and LinkedIn that uh, you know I can definitely be reached at. Great. Okay, we'll definitely include links to uh, to all those things in the show notes for this episode. Anson, thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. Okay, there you have my interview with Anson Kwok of Pinnacle International. I hope you enjoyed that. Once again, for all the show notes on this episode, just head on over to truecondos.com slash Anson, A-N-S-O-N, and you will be able to see links to everything that we talked about on today's show and get a hold of Anson as well. And uh, yeah, I really liked what he had to say. Some great points, especially his point about traffic and transit, transportation. Um, Very interesting to hear his take on things. And uh, always interesting to hear, you know, just uh, from an outside point of view, somebody who's uh, from Vancouver, um, their take on our city here in Toronto. Uh, Because obviously always good to get outside perspective on how we do things as a city and how we can do things better you need to have that outside perspective just the same as in investing and real estate investing Uh, if you've never looked at condominium investing before you're starting to look at it then um, yeah hopefully you found the viewpoints on this podcast and on truecondos.com to be helpful to you maybe we've given you some things to think about that you haven't thought about before So thank you very much again for listening to the show. If you want to leave a review for the show, I would greatly appreciate that as well. Just head on over to iTunes and do that. And also just wanted to get some feedback from the listeners. Uh, Right now the show is only on iTunes. Um, 
it's not on Stitcher, which is a popular network for Android users. Um, would you like me to put the show on Stitcher? Would that be helpful to you? Is that something you're looking for? Uh, let me know. Send me an email, andrew at truecondos.com, and let me know if uh, you'd like to see the show also go up on Stitcher. Okay, thanks very much, very much for listening, and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.